There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Hip Hop Save My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's sit back because it's time for the podcast. Hello, welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life. Um, I'm sad to say, well, I don't know if I'm sad to say, but Rumadge can't be here today. So we've got Ben again. Hello, Ben. Oh, hello. How are you? <laughs> uh, all right, not brilliant today. Why? I uh, had a fight with Georgie, who's my uh, my girlfriend last So night. just so you know, uh, Georgie is Ben's girlfriend. I, I've met Georgie. So much hotter than Ben. <laughs> That's, hold on. Incredible. I know that it's just, I know it's like the cliche thing to say, but dude, insane! It's like it's you, the only thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, we're on a level. In what way? Do you mean you, live you in mean the, looks? Yeah, of course I mean looks um, and personality. Based on what I know of her, she's less obnoxious than you. That's fair to say, isn't it? I can relate mm. to that. My missus won Miss Australia. Right. And um, hi, I'm Elliot. Example, by the way. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone out there. You're not actually meant to Who's speak that yet, mate. Is that Elliot? Yeah. I'm we... oh, sorry. Do you do your thing first? <laughs> no, no, it's cool. No, you come jump in. Well, I don't give a fuck about your rules. I'm going to chip in. Um, your missus is really hot. My missus won Miss Australia. What did your uh, missus no, win? It's not then? a competition. It's it not, is. I don't know well, why. Miss Australia is a competition, actually. Right? <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is. I did, well, she's she not, was the hottest woman in Australia in 2006. <laughs> there you go. She's not won anything. She's See, not won so anything. that's what I'm saying. We're on it's a, a sort of level. I've yeah. not won anything. <laughs> yeah, not much. The girl who came ninth yeah. was a kangaroo. A, a, lot, a, lot of people, a lot of people left Australia just in the run-up to that. It was, a, it, was a, it was a good year to enter the competition. I won Biggest Teeth in Fulham, 1984. Is that true? No. I was Royal, Royal Male Poet of the Year, though, I think, in 1993. Royal Male Poet of yeah, the Year. Yeah, Student Poet of the Year. Are we just going to brag about different awards we've won now? Is that... Well, I'm trying to I've... put into perspective. I'm trying to relate to you. I'm yeah. Gonna... <laughs> I've not really won well, anything. What's, okay. what's, what's happened is Elliot's seen I'm... me being a prick and he's trying to he's yeah. trying to be nice. He's trying to make it a real conversation. I'm punching. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, Georgie... You had a fight. Yeah. Georgie, who's not win, won Miss Australia or... <laughs> or any won... poetry competitions. <laughs> <laughs> or teeth. <laughs> what uh, happens? Uh, well, you know how, like, you scare... You know, have you when you're in a relationship, you might do a little thing to, like, scare your partner. You might, you know, come out... No? Yeah, like, my, uh, Lisa once uh, told me she was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you mean? Sort of, that yeah, sort right, of thing. Yeah, right, OK, yeah, yeah. Well, I was out last night having drinks, yeah. and I, I thought it would be quite funny is to call her. Well, I just got to the tube and I was about five seconds from the house. Yeah. I called her and said, I'm really sorry, Georgie, I'm going to be out for a few more drinks. Should you call right. her Georgie? Why don't you call her Babe? Or... Yeah. Um, I bet you call her Darling. Do you have a pet name? Do you have a pet name? Uh, no, it's Georgie. Right. So we're quite <laughs> formal. formal yeah. Well, her full name's Georgina, so Would after a few years... Would you like to have we... sex now, Georgie? <laughs> <laughs> It is Georgie, your name, isn't it? Georgie, where, Georgie, when are you going to enter one of those bloody competitions? Can you, win, can you win something, please, Georgie? 
She's a you won fuck all. In fact, I'm getting rid of you, Georgie. Or George. G woman. Go on. Oh, God. Anyway, this is sorry. good. This is so good. We might get to the end of the story after 50 minutes. Go on. That's all we've got time for. Uh, so, no, well, I look, I, I, I just called. I thought this was a funny thing. I yeah, called. no, no, sorry, mate. It is funny. It's, it's we haven't, you don't know what it is yet. Okay, fine. Well, I'm sure it will be. Okay. So, uh, I called her uh, and I said, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm going to be out for a few more drinks. Yeah. And then I got to the house and we've got these quite expensive locks that you can, like, open totally silently. Right. So, I turned the key yeah. totally silently. I could hear her singing upstairs. Yeah. And I crept up the stairs and I threw the door, bedroom door open and get off the floor! Like that. Oh, amazing. You did a little joke sex attack. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> she had tears in her <gasps> eyes instantly. I've never seen someone's face. She didn't scream. She went deathly silent and then she just sort of shivered and, and, and was really God, so upset. Are you serious? So she, when she thought somebody had broken into the house and shouted, get on the floor, she seemed scared. Well, that's a I weird, isn't that a weird reaction? I thought we'd isn't laugh. That a weird, isn't that a strange reaction? <laughs> to be honest, if I had the most expensive locks in the world, I wouldn't even be worried about anyone breaking it inside. No, it was my dickhead boyfriend. Do you know what the other thing is? That story is just so that Ben could tell us about how good his locks are. It is, that, yeah. that, that, that's, that's what that story's about. Mr. Locks, 2017. Yeah. Um, how long did it take to recover from that? It's been bad. She's, she was like... When did odd... this happen, sorry? Yesterday. Shit! So, so she was. She was. She's been off with me today. Right. She normally is quite friendly. She always brings me water every night. Marry her, mate. Marry her. Uh, doing it in July. She brings well, you water. I was. <laughs> she brings you water every night. Yeah. Fucking hell. Okay. I mean, I don't. I can't even understand how you've got yourself into this relationship. <laughs> Thankfully, it looks like things are on the rocks, though. So, <laughs> this is the bit where we introduce our guest. Hello, example, Elliot. How are you, Elliot? Yeah. Thank Elliot. you so much for coming on to do this, man. Right, especially with food poison as well. From, yeah. From pulled pull chicken. Pulled chicken, mate. They're pulling everything, man. They're pull, pulling. It's out, out of one. control. It's out um, of control. How are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah. Apart from you know, pissing on both ends. Yeah. Um, not right now. Mm. I'd hide it well, wouldn't I? Um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm just uh, if you do feel like you want to go, don't just go. You, you're wearing the sort of thing that I could imagine you could go unnoticed in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm quite strong like that. Are you? you can hold, <laughs> right, that's good. That's good to Except know. Except for like if my bird's around. Like, yeah. Obviously, as all blokes do, you know, man flu. Yeah. And you want your woman to cuddle you and bring you water and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard some women do that. <laughs> Babe, can I have a lemsip? No, you can have a water. <laughs> you can have a water. We start with water and then we'll build up to lemsip, yeah? Um, yeah, you know, enjoying the dad life. Uh, summer's festival season started already. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've just been presenting a supercar TV show for all four. I, I was acting in a film last year. Like, you in a film? Yeah, my second acting role. What was your first acting role? Uh, it was called Between Two Worlds, a little indie flick. I wasn't yeah. very good in it. I was in a completely different film to everyone else, I think. Which um, you, <laughs> you know where I'm playing a character who's not in the world, same yeah. world as everyone else. And everyone's like, you're really good. And then someone said, oh, you stole every scene. And I could see they meant, fucked it up. <laughs> um, and Yeah, man. That's... And uh, yeah, no, this other film called White Island, which I went to the gala screening last week in Ibiza. It was quite interesting, actually, because Dean Gaffney's not in the film, but Dean Gaffney was at the gala screening. Um, what was know, he like? Did you chat to him? Yeah, he's all right. He just seems really happy to be alive. Yeah. I don't know why he should be dead, but... Yeah. You know what I mean? He's just buzzing off life. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I, so a lot of people say that about me. <laughs> I've just got a sort of an effervescence about me. Do you find that? I haven't experienced it yet. <laughs> um, um, yeah, in this film I play a... Um, it's quite interesting, actually. It's actually worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, a uh, posh scuba diving instructor right. who turns out to be a drug dealer. Should he be Have you just given a twist? Yeah. Is that like the end of Sixth Sense? You've just given it away? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think I'll ruin it. Okay, fine. I don't think a posh bloke being a... Being a like, no, but oh, he was a big... drug dealer. It's not like, oh, he was dead all along. Have you seen Sleepaway Camp? Jesus Christ, we've really gone off topic here. But have you seen Sleepaway Camp? No, have you? Sleepaway Camp's a horror film. It's got... This is a spoiler alert. For is it a new else. one? No, it's from like the 70s or something. Oh, okay. But, at, but there's like a series of killings. Loads of people are dying. And at the end, it's the best ending of any horror film, probably. The film is shit, but the ending is incredible. Go on. You just see this head roll across the screen and then it's one of the kids from the camp just holding a knife and they thought it was a girl all the time but she's got a little winky out and it's a boy. That's the twist. And then she just stood there with a knife in her hand and this decapitated. Sounds like a bad dream. Yeah. It's, it's just a big, like, what, scary It's a boy ending. with a penis out? Penis out, yeah. This is off topic, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> so you- Welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what have we covered so far? <laughs> It pops in my life where we talk about what beverage your wife brings you. Yeah. Here's a little bit that you like to call. How did you get into hip hop? You're a hip hop fan. Massive, yeah. You're a rapper. Yes. How did this all come about? What's your sort of route? All right, so I grew up in uh, Hammersmith and Fulham and I went to school in Wandsworth and it um, wasn't like a particularly rough school or a particularly good school. It was just like a nice school, really. Um, it was a technology college, but it was one of those schools, it was, most of the kids were from estates. I was from a house. Uh, with a with a cheap lock, um, <laughs> and no, it was more like I was just I was shit at football, shit at rugby, shit at yeah. basketball. I wasn't very quick, and obviously, imagine like a small eleven year old boy, but with the same size teeth I've got now on that head. Um, so I was quite uh, a bit of a geek, and I just started rapping to fit in, really. So I like you know I like, I did enjoy the rap as, as such like at eleven. But I don't think I really fully understood the culture and what it was about until I was probably like 14, 15. So you liked... The... So I started rapping to fit in, basically, yeah. to get protection in the playground. So you liked the just... idea of it, but before you got into the culture of it, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I just liked the rhyme and the wordplay. Yeah. And it was like a bit naughty and a bit, you know, listening to like Snoop Dogg and stuff, like Doggy Style when you're like yeah. 12, whatever. Um, like in your bedroom, like with your headphones on. <laughs> um, and then it was just like, I realised I could rap and do my own lyrics. And then I started recording songs when I was like 14, 15 in the school's music department. We had, because um, it was a technology college, of course, we had a mini disc, eight track recorder. Oh, do you remember the, the 20 minutes when mini disc was cutting edge? Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was around the time I started making music. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, it was just, and I never saw it as a career. So I wanted to be an actor or a stand up. Yeah. I did stand up for a bit, I did about 30 gigs. Um, and then I, I, I studied film at university and I did editing. Um, like I majored in editing but whilst I was doing that we used the audio booth to record more hip hop demos so by the time I was 21 I'd probably recorded like 50 songs already but it was just a hobby and then I started working in TV as an editor and this whole time I used to go I go to open mic events and like rap battles and stuff not like the jump off more just sort of like friends messing around in the playground or, so not as aggressive as that yeah not as aggressive like not put on the spot like you know like yeah. Professor Green like you know won the world's best yeah. and won, it was more just sort of like you know, we'd go to a couple of record shops back in the day and there'd be like open mics and people just get up and do their thing and occasionally it turn into a little battle. But it was kind of pre-written lyrics rather yeah, than yeah. a genius freestyling. And then um, around 2003 or four, 
um, I was one of my songs, which I was releasing on seven inch vinyl, was played by Pete Tong on Radio One. And then Zane Lowe played it a week later. So did, before then, Pete Tong played it, did you know he was going to? Did you know this was going to happen? Or does it no. come as a complete surprise? So I'd had a few plays on like XFM, yeah, and one extra, but you know, a couple of little spins and that. They didn't really mean much at the time. So it wasn't seen as national radio. Yeah, you know, we're going back more than ten years here. And then a song got played, and um, and it was actually a, a hip hop track because my first album was all hip hop. It was quite lad rap. It was like someone doing Roots Maneuver in the streets. And uh, yeah, and then Zane Lowe played it, and then Mike Skinner from the streets got in touch yeah. via my manager, uh, who I'd just sort of met. And uh, next thing I knew, I quit my job at Paramount Comedy Channel, um, where I was sort of running the tape library and doing bits of voiceovers and bits of editing. And I was on tour of the streets. Jeez, and that was that's a turn of events. That was yeah. 2004, I think 2005, 2005. And then my first album came out 2007. Um, and you know, throughout that time, I did a couple of mixtapes, and I was really—it was quite UK hip hop, backpacker sort of hip hop. Yeah, you know, it was more uh, about the humour and stuff. I, I always looked up to Slick Rick, you know, in terms of the storytelling stuff. But because I hadn't really experienced much at 21, it was just ended up just being songs about Stella and having <laughs> a fight in the cinema. You know, there was a song on my album called, on my, called "Popcorn and Fisticuffs." About a fight I had in the cinema. Yeah. Because uh, someone kept talking throughout the film. My right hand popcorn, sweet never salted. Left hand holding the girl I'm escorting. Film's already started, so we're quiet as we walk in. As I take a seat, there's already people talking. So it was it was a really weird, misjudged, odd album. But is that, but is that you know, with, the, with that, you talk about that. Is, I do think that the one thing that, that is a separating between us listen to hip-hop and what they're talking about mm. is now you listen to like UK hip-hop and grime and all this stuff and they talk about very British things yeah. you sort of feel like you've been wanting to hear that do you but know what I mean just, yeah. yeah like and people like actually... proud of their accent exactly yeah. and where exactly. they're from yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like rather than wearing baggy jeans yeah, yeah. and a baseball cap yeah. it's like no we're going to wear track suits yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I think it, all, it was all kick-started by the streets really uh, and Dizzy Rascal I think Roots Maneuver you know, there were some amazing albums back then, and I always like worshipped that guy. Taskmaster burst the bionic zit splitter. Break next beat, we drown ten pints of bitter. We lean all day, and some say that ain't productive. Could that depend upon the demon that you're stuck with? Cause right now, I see clearer than most. I sit here contented with this cheese on toast. I feel the pain of a third world famine. Said, wait, we count them blessings and keep damning. But you didn't really get a full sense of the Englishness of it or the Britishness until probably The Streets and Dizzy mm. Rascal. Um, and they, neither of those were really hip-hop either. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of think we needed our own hip-hop, and that's kind of what grime is now. Yeah, yeah. But I used to, around like 2001, I used to be on pirate radio um, down on the West, Ken West Kensington Estate, top floor in there. And I was still called Example then, and I was spitting over like garage bars there. So it was just when UK Garage was becoming grime, so it was around the late 90s. Yeah. So it was like, you know, your 140 BPM versus hip-hop, which is, tends to be around 90 or 100. So it was always like, I did a bit of both. And then, and then after my second album, when I signed to Ministry of Sound, started experimenting with more dance producers and started singing. And now, you know, I'm on, six, I'm on a sixth album. Like my fourth album was a rock album. Yeah. So it's and it, and it just sort of mixing it up. But it's all, it all stemmed from that love of hip-hop and rhyming. And with your change, not your change, but your evolution of style or whatever, is that just a natural thing that just happened to be what you're into and you just thought you'd mix it up a bit? Or? Well, I think because I didn't want to make music for a career, I didn't even know it was possible. All I knew was one hip-hop producer called Russia, uh, not like the country, like Russian here and there. And, and I went to uni with him 
And he produced for me. He did my whole first album, but he was the only producer I knew. So it was almost like I only had hip hop. Yeah. Um, and that was all I really knew. But as a kid, I loved Prodigy. I loved uh, Nirvana. Um, so I, after that second album, I had my first bit of success. You know, my first top five single, which was Kickstarts in 2010. There's a lot more room to experiment. It's the same old you, the same old me. You get bored and I get cold feet. Get high, get wondering eyes. Forget I've never ever had it so sweet. It's always been electronic based. And I do always think about clubs and festivals when I'm writing songs and what, you know, speaking to the raver and, the, you know, the guy in the mosh pit in the field. Um, and then for the rest of the albums, I get to be a bit more experimental and mess around with different stuff. But it's great being able to go, shall I sing on this one? Shall I rap? Yeah. Shall I do both? Because it's, it's like what that beat needs at that moment or you know and even now album six I'm, I'm producing most of it myself with my band you know so it starts from scratch on a laptop and I'm humming the riffs that they're playing in and then yeah. using the kick drums and so it's like full full process now when you started did you sort of feel that like did you feel like oh my god what's going on this is incredible or was it like this is where I'm heading and I get it yeah like, do you I, feel I like you're born to do this or I can't I was I was I felt like I was born to be on stage because whenever people say to me oh what you how do you rate yourself as a rapper or a singer I never think I'm the best rapper or the best singer at all but I think I'm a really good performer like I think if you come to my gig there's not many people who can have it like we do on stage so I was just I suppose in that sense I see myself more as an entertainer and you know what once the thing is is when you've been making hip-hop or various different genres if all of a sudden you're playing you know to 100 people and then the next week you're playing to 20,000 you're not going to then stop making the music that's play- getting you played to 20,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Of course, yeah, yeah. I've never put out a song that I wasn't ever proud of. But obviously, once you're in the industry, you know it's a game. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, you won't get those festival bookings unless you're on radio. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's kind of like Caps 22 sometimes. But whatever I've done, I've always been 100% proud and like a fan of the song. You know what I mean? And I've done probably 20 genres. And um, Ben, Georgie's a massive example fan, isn't she? I was saying to Rom, uh, when we, when I was, uh, no, this is true. This, when I was courting. Uh, this is such a good story. Uh, she, you know, when you're just dating someone new and, and you want to impress them. And so I asked, you know, she was, at, I take it, she was trying to impress me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that wasn't a joke. Um, and anyway, she. I'm just picturing it. <laughs> just picturing someone trying to impress Ben. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so she, uh, I said, what music do you like? And she said, I'm into all, you know, people say, I'm into all sorts. I love everything from, you know, jazz, hip hop. I mean, she sort of big, big it up. And I have From jazz. <laughs> the, the, the first two <laughs> From jazz to hip hop. People always say from jazz to yeah. jazz. I listen to everything from you know, spoken words <laughs> to, fuck off. What about drum and bass and dubstep? You're into tech house. You're into jazz. I like a bit of tech house, a bit of jazz on Sundays. I'd you love know. it if you just interrogated. So I'm into jazz. Yeah, what jazz do you like? No, no, what jazz? What jazz? Well, I was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to be nice. So I went, yeah. oh, that's really nice. You love, love your jazz and your hip hop. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she didn't, I feel bad she didn't say that. That's just me being a Yeah, dick. no, sure, you're powerful. Um, anyway, anyway, so uh, I, I had very, then managed to get hold of her iPhone. And you can check. Was this was this legitimate, or were you trying to check well, where she had messages now, from exes well, or whatever? I love how you just casually went managed to get hold yeah. of her iPhone. While yeah. she while she she nipped, she nipped downstairs to fetch me some water, <laughs> and I took the opportunity to check out her iPhone. Yeah, it it does doesn't reflect well. But anyway, I had and also her passcode. Uh, I had her, and I got into her phone and I checked her. You can check what she listened to over the last week. Oh yeah, yeah. Recently, and she had listened. like she only had three three songs on it. Okay, okay. One was like I think Britney. Toxic or something. Great, great and number. Then, and then, uh, well, number one with like three. She only listened to it like three times. And there was another one, like two she was times. Busy making war. 
And then <laughs> number one yeah. was example, uh, change the way you, you kiss me. About 575 plays. T- yeah, in a week. <sighs> Sorry, your missus obsessed with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure to meet you, though. Okay, she asked that was a high number. five then, not a punch. <laughs> It's amazing. You never thought you'd have the opportunity to tell the guy that your no, your missus is. That's, I mean, that's a lot, isn't it? In a week, <laughs> that's mental. That's disturbing, isn't it? I don't it? think I've heard that song that many times. <laughs> I mean, and I've performed it. I love the song as well, but I don't. And any song that time is going to drive you mad. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it is she, I owe a lot to that fan. song. Actually, it was um, that was my. I think it was number one in 28 countries. Wow. Um, Do you also number like, one on her iPod? You can yeah. now put that on your... You can add that to the... Yes, Wikipedia. I, yeah, it's one of those ones. It's like, even though I've done like five albums and I've got, you know, have all these different songs that work different places all over the world and you always have random hits and like, oh yeah, your hits, it's massive in Bulgaria, but no yeah. one in England likes it. Um, <laughs> so it's that kind of vibe. But that song's the one wherever you go, you think that's the currency. Everyone's yeah. got... Did you know when you wrote, like, you wrote it, you like this? Yeah, yeah. I knew it was going to be big. I didn't know it was going to be, like, I've played in, like, I've performed in 82 countries now. And until that song came out, I performed in about four. <laughs> um. I want to talk to you about this vid- the video that you did on the underground. Oh, Whiskey Story. Yeah. It's that video. It took, I think, 22 attempts, because it's, it's obviously one take. It's incredible. If you haven't seen it, you've got to watch it, man. It's amazing. It's amazing. Thanks, man. But... It looked so frustrating to get. Like, yeah. You didn't look frustrated, but I was just thinking how difficult it must be to coordinate what well, you did. Well, what the weird thing is, is because I was planning it. Um, yeah, so it's for a whiskey story, if anyone hasn't seen it. I was, um, I got off the tube one day and uh, walked up into Trafalgar Square and I was like, oh, yeah, that was a quick walk. You know, because most tube stations take ages to get yeah. out of. And I was like, that was just like one escalator and, and a, a flight of stairs. So I thought, I started thinking about videos straight away but I needed the right song so I had to wait until the right song it was like a storytelling sort of you know walking talking type song and then I remember I got one of my director mates involved just to help plan the logistics and we were going through timing how long it took to get from one station to the other so we could work out when to start the video uh, the, the playback and then obviously we've got the extras in there who sing the chorus bits you know it's like a homeless man and there's a bus it's guy so and much coordination in this and it, it was about 18 takes until we even got out of the tube into Trafalgar Square. And obviously it ends with a flash mob. Yeah. Um, I remember the, the, one of the times it was all perfect, because I'm sort of, I'm, I'm performing, remembering lyrics, trying to hit these, uh, these, these time spots, you know, at the right time to, for these other people to sing their bits. And then weaving in and out of people, you know, like French exchange students fucking everywhere. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, holding the camera myself. Yeah, remembering to move the camera around to make it interesting. For it. So I was like, I was cinematographer, director, performer, and like the the assistant director, you know, getting everyone in place. And then the first time we got out the tube in Chicago Square, I'm like, yeah, we've nailed it. And the flash mob forgot to dance. They're one <laughs> fucking thing. You know, they were doing like a half ass sort yeah. of like. I was like, no. You're, going to go, you're meant to go mental, but because they hadn't seen us for two hours, we've been on the tube for two hours just oh, trying to shit. nail the first yeah, bit. Yeah. So they just got bored. They're waiting up. They're all having fags and on yeah. their phones. And we've come through and we're like, someone in the background's got action. And they're like, oh, fuck yeah, we're in a music video. <laughs> so then it took about another three oh, takes. you must have been in such a good mood after that happened. Oh, mate. And then there was one where the fella following me, um, his oyster card had run out because we'd been in and out so many times. <laughs> so you just get to the thing and he's like, 
But it was uh, really, I remember after that, I think we started at 8 a.m., we finished at about 2, and I got, I went home, and my missus said she'd never seen me so stressed. Yeah. It's such a good video, though, man. Watch it if you can. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Rack your brains. Give it some thought. What was the first hip-hop album you bought? So tell me, what is your first hip-hop album that you ever owned? Um, I think I bought a cart boot sale, and it was LL Cool J. Um, would have been Mama said knock you out. Eh? Mama said knock you out. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants, foot socks and beer, making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom, explosion. Overpowering, over the competition. I'm towering, wrecking shots. When I drop these lyrics, that'll make you call the cops. I think I only listened to like two, two or three tracks on it. I kind of like the artwork. You know? Yeah. Because back in those days, the artwork was so interesting. Around like late 80s, right through to the mid 90s, hip hop artwork, front covers were just incredible. Well, like, there's pieces said, of art yeah. on the wall, you know what I mean? We've talked about this before in this podcast, but Mama Said Not Kyoto is a great album cover. The one before, Walking with a Panther, is probably the worst. <laughs> it's probably the worst <laughs> album nailed cover. nailed it, isn't it? <laughs> Two albums. <laughs> but um, Mama Said Not Kyoto, I like the story behind it. You know, because like, he'd sort of. Because he was like massive, and then he did Walking with a Panther, and he got some criticism for it, and he was like dejected. And then his mum said, was it his mum or his grandma? grandma I think it was his grandma. Yeah, said, go knock him out or whatever. And yeah, then yeah. he took that as inspiration to do that. Because when you first hear that to song... To steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <No>. yeah, yeah <laughs> to, really, to really heavily get into some pretty serious drug use. Uh, no, he, um, he, but the thing was, because when you first heard the song, it's sort of, mama said knock you out. When you think about what the meaning of that song is, it's my mum told me that I should come and knock you out. It's a weird... It's a weird... <laughs> but it's really cool to see. It's so cool. But it's not until you analyse it like that, you yeah. think... Wow, this bloke's mum told him to go and knock everyone out. But it's Nan. It's Nan. That, yeah, it's Nan, yeah. But you can't say Nan said knock you out, though, can yeah. you? That's a totally different Yo, James, and... James, you better go knock them fuckers out. <laughs> Square in the fucking gym, man. You tell them motherfuckers your Nana said fucking you, knock them you out. You do it for Grammy. <laughs> you do it for Grammy. Um, but, like, but that song, probably the most used song on the boxing entrance, right? Is it? Yeah. yeah. Must be. Or Time for Some Action by Redman might be the other one. That's that's a great one for entering yeah. the ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that but you're right though. You know you said you only listened to one or two tracks. The rest of that one. There's was only a pony. couple of there's only a couple of really good tracks on it. Really. He's he's one of those. Um, I think his lyrics. He was obviously led the way when he started. You know, just very important at the start. I think he just didn't go anywhere or get any better, did he? Yeah. His voice recorded so well. He's yeah. got one of the best hip hop voices ever to listen yeah. to. Um, 
you know, he's up there with, like, in terms of being easy listening. Yeah. It was like Jay-Z, you know, that your voice just sounds amazing when it's recorded. It's just really easy, even if you don't like hip-hop. It's not too nasally. Yeah. It's not too deep, not too gravelly. It's just just sharp, just cuts through the track. He really went for a phase of only doing tracks with R&B hooks on. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, it was almost everything he was doing. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loved that. He loved that that vibe. And also, he did he did things like, he did an album, Mr. Smith. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a track on there where he's talking about, oh, people say that you've got no metaphors, I'm going to prove them wrong. And then one of the lyrics is, my balls are hairy like the Lion King. And you just think, Dude, just don't do metaphors. If that's if that's what if that's Leave what it you, to ludicrous. <laughs> My that's the God. shit. That's the My top of shit. My bars are here. We like lion king. <laughs> well, I'll throw you off a cliff like Scar. <laughs> what? It's really yeah. Your mama's fat like Timon, or <laughs> is it Pumba? I don't know. Yeah. Shut up. Like, shut up. It's really, cool, James. Cool, it was James. Really bad. It's like he's doing everything he could to undermine the whole thing. That was the uh, first uh, yeah, album. And then, yeah, after that, it was just like Snoop and Mob Deep and Wu-Tang Clan. And yeah, I was mainly in love with New York rappers. Yeah. I didn't really get the whole West Coast thing until, until Snoop. I was never into Tupac. I loved Biggie. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was more lyrical. Tupac for me was always like an icon and like not yeah. the best rapper. You know, yeah, it was some yeah. great social commentary and he was, a very, he was more important. Uh, in terms of it's a black history in America, Tupac's way more important than Biggie. Yeah. But I just thought... But for technical was... ability, yeah. Biggie was just like... And Wu-Tang, I mean, Wu-Tang were like... Who was your favourite Wu-Tang member? Um, Inspector Deck, probably. Really? That's... <laughs> just on a, on a lyrical level. Yeah. Oh, I loved good. him because he was just so in the pockets. I mean, like, you know, in the timing of the, the drums and the, the bass and he used to mix it up and you thought he was going one way and all of a sudden it would be the other way. Like, yeah. Ghostface and Raekwon were most people's favourites and, like, most people based their rapping style on them. Everyone in UK hip-hop, like, seemed to base their style on that. You know, just, like constant like random darts yeah, yeah. like throwing you know what I mean yeah um, like none of it had to make sense it just sounded like the coolest stuff ever well that's the yeah. thing with Raekwon isn't it because yeah. like, when you listen to like because obviously it's great and you listen to it and it sounds great but a lot of the time what think, are you talking I don't, I about I can't fucking follow this story no. dude what's this it's like about? he's opened a book like the <laughs> yeah. bible run his finger through yeah, yeah. and gone uh, Goliath yeah and then like flick to another book yeah. and it's just like tarantula yeah. and you're like what the f- the man on the street corner Jack Horner would you yeah, yeah. Warner yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> and you're like, you sound amazing, yeah. but I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I know. It's like, and often, you'd start telling a story and you go, I'm going to try and follow this. Yeah. And within 30 seconds, I go, fucking clue, man. I'm but lost. have you ever read um, the, about the recording of, you know, Triumph by Wu Tang? Yeah. They're all back to back. I think there's like 10 of them on there. It's Wu, motherfucker. They all did their verses on random bits of the beat. Yeah. And then obviously they were like, who's going to start it? So it's basically, I think it's Ghostface at the end, and I think it's Inspector there. But. It's just when you break it down, like, you know, years later, even going back to it, I bomb atomically, Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses can't define or I'll be dropping these. Yeah. Mockeries, lyrically perform armed robberies. Flee with the lottery, possibly they spotted me. Battles guard, showgun, explosion when my pen hits. Tremendous, ultraviolet shine, blind forensics. I inspect you through the future, see millennium. Killer bees sold 50 gold, 60 platinum. You're like, it makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then Rizzo comes in and he's like, yo, yo, the dribble are funny, bone peak, caligula, bigger dick, sex enigma, fist to fertilize your stigma, stick box, all what? What? <laughs> Something about your dick and a pink dot and 
Like the funny bone tickler. Jesus Christ, mate. You got some more Inspector Deck, please. <laughs> this one, I t- ODB was, for in terms of like mental lyrics, yeah. It's like, that means, ho, you've been the shitted on. I'm not the first dog that shitted, shitted on, on your lawn. lawn. <laughs> it was just like mad psychedelic <laughs> punk, right? Yeah. You know, Aggie ODB, rap. He had a big coat, didn't he, ODB? Did you hear about this? No, I don't. <laughs> Did you hear about his big coat? <laughs> he had a big coat. Yeah, and, and, and it, he'd often be really hot. He had to get people to I bring in water. I don't think he'd be the first uh, African-American rapper with a big coat. <laughs> well, he had a big coat. And, yeah. and, and, and he had he, a pencil for jewellery. And... <laughs> And he used to go out and he yeah. used to uh, Wear it? shoplift. Oh, fuck. He used what? to shoplift like canned tin goods and he used to like bring it back. And when they did the first album, that's what they sort of ate. He'd go out and get stuff, yeah. bring it back to the studio, and they'd eat these like tin goods from tin his big goods. Coat. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, ODB, you got some tin goods? <laughs> 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 and it comes back and it's all dog food because he forgets he's not a dog. <laughs> Uh, you, you're not a dog. <laughs> that means, ho, human shit it up. Uh, could you try and buy some human food? <laughs> you, keep, you keep coming back with loads of food, mate. And it's, it's fucking pedigree chump. Yeah. Why have I told you ODB? Stop man do dog you, food. Do you, oh. <laughs> do you think ODB ever used the words tinned good? He's <laughs> 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 like come, come back from the shops so and like, ODB, you didn't get a can opener. <laughs> like, oh. Got some tin goods for the nurse. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> tin goods. Uh, and I heard like Cappadonna was like a taxi driver for a bit, like after a fringe yeah. member. He was another one, a bit like Ghostface and Raekwon, where yeah. amazing voice, amazing flow. Talked a load of bollocks. I know, I know. But Cappadonna, the difference, Ghostface and Raekwon always flowed well, but Cappadonna, it was like sometimes he'd get it. And sometimes he didn't. And when he was bad... He was really, really he was noticeable. really bad. Um, yeah. The Iron Man album is a perfect example of that. It's like... I mean, because it was Ghostface featuring uh, Raekwon and yeah. Cappadonna, isn't it? Yeah. I think they're all on most tracks together. And when Cappadonna nails it, um, I think it's it, the Daytona. Daytona, oh my God, dude, that's yeah. it. Peace to cats who rock Mac, knowledge, knowledge, street astrologists, light up the mic, guard, knowledge, block joints, the character points, Corolla, Motorola, Hola, play a guard, he pack over the shoulder, chrome tanks, play it like Yanks, check the franchise, front on my guys, my enterprise, blast many lives, lapel of fakes like reflectors, he has sugar in his ear in his last crack career. We- but then there's other points there, I mean, you think, they probably should have kept him off this. <laughs> He probably has. He's probably got the coolest name now of all of them. Capadonna, yeah, it's good. I don't even know what it means. I, I, maybe it's like he loves wearing Kappa tracksuits. Yeah, and he liked Madonna as a kid. Yeah, or Donna Summer. I don't know. And he just and he just hoped that nobody would ever ask him for the backstory. <laughs> it's a really cool name. How did it come about? I'd rather not. Just no, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's on the list of things you're not allowed to ask me. Do about. you ever remember a song called Woo Wear? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was a. I think it was a soundtrack to yeah, a, yeah. a title, and it was basically them just talking about all the designer clothes they had. Yeah. But it was like really weird ones because their designer clothes were really different to what English people were into, which I always felt, you know, like people were talking about, especially in the garage scene, Mas- Machino, mm. Moschino, Versace. With the labels. Valentino, yeah. yeah. And there's, they'd have like stuff like Perry Ellis, <laughs> <laughs> which you could pick up in like TK Maxx for, you know, like 10 Yeah, I had an uncle that sold shitloads of like Perry Ellis, man. Nordica. <laughs> And then, like, I went into a Nautica shop once, and it was just all old men shirts. Yeah, it's like Gant, you know. What I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. like they, like Grand Pooby used to wear loads of Gant, right? You can go and look at Gant. It's like, what the shit? I've got a boat. What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. <I've got> a boat. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm just going to wear this big baggy shirt with some boat shoes down to Henley Regatta. I'm just doing my live PA down at Henley. <laughs> Yo, what's up, Henley? Did you sort of embrace wearing the clothes like when you were younger? I just dressed really awful, really, from the age of like 11 to 21, pretty much. I did. I, I got into heel figure a bit, Tommy oh, yeah. figure, but I was pretty much just used to wear what was comfy. I was always into just sportswear, like I am now. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Ron? Did you uh, did you sport like like you know sort of hip hop clothes, or were you always? I did for a while. Um, yeah, I, I did that. It was I, a very I, suburban I, thing, I thought. Yeah. I'll tell you what I did do, which is really because I was it's so into Public Enemy. And unfortunately, I took it. Upon, I, I, I took to Flavor Flav's way of dressing. Now, <laughs> now, I didn't wear the clock, but, but I didn't wear the clock. But you know, like he wore the bright colours and shit, right? Mm. So that looks good when you're Flavor Flav of Public Enemy. If you're some kid in Crawley, you just look like some twat that's just wearing stuff he found. <laughs> yeah. Like it, I used Six to get... foot two beanpole kid <laughs> yeah. with like just... acne and yeah. just like with yeah. massive clothes. Yeah, just really bright coats and stuff. And people just going, what's wrong with you, man? And you go, this is how Flavor Flav dresses. I don't know, I don't know Flavor Flav. I'm going to beat you up. I met Flavor Flav. Um, I did a gig in Serbia called Belgrade Calling a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, original name. And um, Public Enemy was supporting me. Whoa! Which I felt, I, I felt like, amazing, I, I can't do this. This is sacrilege. Were you nervous about that? Um, no, you didn't give a shit, mate. Not Come really. I, I met Chuck Lee in the hotel lift, and he yeah. was really polite, really on it. You know, he's like really articulate. Yeah. And um, had a little chat with him in reception, and I was almost like apologising that he was supporting me. <laughs> um, and then Flavor Flav, I asked for a selfie as he came on stage, and I've still got the picture somewhere. I looked at, I didn't look into the picture until after, because I was a bit starstruck. And, I'm, and the selfie is just me, me looking at camera, and he's on his phone. Unbelievable. <laughs> so he's going, yeah, yeah, take a selfie. Yeah, didn't give a shit. Sorry, mate, I'm just texting my mum. You can take a picture of me texting That's my mum. That's horrible, man. Come on, Flo. Yeah, he was a bit rude. Yeah. But then, and then people, if they grab me as I'm coming off stage before, I'm always like, get off, what are you doing? Because it's like, you're so in the zone of being on stage. You must know yourself, like, you know, even doing stand-up. Yeah. It's, uh, you have to get in such a zone yeah, that when yeah. you come off sometimes you need a bit of a chill time or well what I found when I've come off stage is I'm super hypersensitive to what anybody says to me as I come off so if somebody says for example did you enjoy that I immediately think you thought that was shit and you're asking me if I or if mm. when we did because I'm on tour at the moment when the texts come in and like give you like go right see you later if they don't say that was good I'd want them to die. And, and, I, and I don't even care if they mean it or not. Do you know what I mean? But it's just mm. like, you need that, like, you've got this horrible, hypersensitive, like, please, yeah, totally. somebody tell me that was okay? It's horrible, man. But it is weird when people come and grab you. Like, you come off festival stages sometimes and people running up to you. And obviously they're, they're fans and, like, they deserve a picture, but it's just sort of like, I'm in such a zone here. I'm yeah. so hyped up. I've had 60,000 people bouncing up and down. I've been shouting. I'm sweating. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Same just for me. Really I've had like 70 or 80 yeah. people just sort of <laughs> laughing politely for like 20, 25 minutes. I always mean? feel bad. They pile you into a car sometimes to so get off and it's like, it's not me because I, I believe in stopping for every fan and having a picture and signing stuff. But yeah. it's just that one moment where you can't do it, which is why I hold no grudges towards Flavor Flav. It's also, it's also the only moment where you might be able to do that as well, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once he's gone in his dressing room or into his car he's gone. to go, he's gone. Never see Flav again. Sad times. Sad, Sad times, mate. Have you, do you watch any hip-hop live? Or have you had watched any hip-hop live? That you... My, um, 
I went to see Wu-Tang. I think that was on my first proper concert. And it would have been 98 or 9. Um, how many of them turned up? Brixton Academy. I think there were seven of them. Holy shit, mate. Yeah. And the crowd, it's quite interesting. This. The crowd was probably 99% black. Right. With about 10 white dudes. Yeah. Uh, I All was, together? The white dudes? Or? No, no. <laughs> but one of them was a white guy with dreads. And he actually got punched repeatedly by quite a few people in the queue. Jesus Christ. And part of me was kind of like, I get it. Like, you're in yeah. Brixton. <laughs> you know, have you heard of Brixton riots? Do you yeah. know what dreadlocks mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And what, what they're a statement of. Did and you you've come to well? a, a black heavy... Yeah. yeah. Just give me a little dig. I know, yeah, no, yeah, it annoys me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With white dreads, smoking weed. <laughs> and it was like, he was just asking for trouble. So that kind of marred that because he got really fucked up. Like it was, you know, I don't like like violence. Horrible, so I don't yeah, like yeah. see that. But there was part of me just going, "What were you thinking?" <laughs> and even the police just came and like scooped him off the floor, yeah, put him on a stretcher, and it was just like well, no questions asked. The police were probably just thinking, "You've again. asked, you've asked for this, <laughs> you've right? asked for this. Yeah. Don't turn but up then, to this gig like this again." But then ten years later, I went to see him again, and the crowd was like ninety nine percent white. Do you reckon just gradually every year they came back more and more white guys with dreads felt accepted? Well, I just think hip hop just got the bigger and bigger and, and like it became more and more acceptable for everyone to love it rather than just feeling like you've got to be part of the culture or own the culture or relate yeah. to every lyric, you know what I mean? I do mm. remember like being... I mean, like there was no, like for instance in the UK, like when I was started rapping, yeah. when I was a kid, yes, everyone at school, um, you know, predominantly came from uh, black backgrounds or you know, black culture, influenced heavily by black culture. So it was kind of like you grew up with them, so it's acceptable. But it wasn't until um, like people started rapping in British accents that, and, and it was on mainstream radio and television, i.e. the streets and Dizzy Rascal. Yeah. And then it was followed, you know, by uh, Eminem in terms of blowing up, that it was even seen as a career. Yeah. Like you think now, like Macklemore rapping, no one even asks you questions. Like no one's like, what's his credentials? Where's he from? Yeah. You know, what's your story? What are you talking about? It's just like... He's a great rapper. Yeah. He's yeah. got a great flow. He's really intelligent. No one questions it. Have you heard any Lil Dicky? No. So Lil Dicky's a sort of uh, white Jewish guy. And where you come from? Sure, I was undergrad down there in Richmond. Before that. Are you talking about my hometown? Yeah. I was born out of Philly, grew up in a little silly old town called Cheltenham. It's in the suburbs of a middle wealth around. Some real shit you ain't never had to struggle for much? I wouldn't say it like that. We just had a different kind of trap. I was going to say it's comedy hip-hop. It is it. Like, he's a pro- he's, he can properly spit. Like He's a great rapper, but it's all, it's all funny songs. But he does exactly what you said. He doesn't pretend like he's like middle-class white guy and he talks about all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it's like you said, it sort of feels like he's talking about what he knows and he sort of makes a joke about the fact that he's a rapper that's coming from a different background or whatever. Do you mean? Rather than, yeah, yeah. it used to be, if you're a white rapper, you've got to go, well, actually, my, you know, I came from a really tough, you know, yeah. I, I, I know I know the well, It was like, um, do you remember Snow in Farmer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that whole song was obviously about him getting nicked wasn't yeah, it? and yeah. selling drugs and so on and then Vanilla Ice I think they tried to create slightly that he had something going yeah, on yeah. but he wasn't really at all um, but I think that what happened with Eminem is he was just so controversial and he'd lived such a messed up life yeah. that no one really and Dre said he's cool as so soon no as the, the, that's the thing isn't it as soon as Dre said I'm, yeah. this, I'm co-signing that opened the doors for yeah, yeah, anyone yeah. and everyone now and I've got like my little um, my godson he's like 14 and he goes to like stage school in Brum. Yeah. And they're all just like, they're mostly just like white Brummy kids. Yeah. And they're all rapping and, you know, they're obsessed with uh, like New York hip hop and grime and they're all rapping. But what I love about it is there's no thought about why they should be able to do it or shouldn't be able yeah. to do it. They don't overthink it. Whereas I, I overthought it so much but until also, I was you... probably like 21, 22, because you're still like, is this a viable 
mm. job. Can I be? Can I do this? Should I be doing this? Not because I had any issues, but people often asked it of you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Imagine me. Got, I took I took my maths exams like early at yeah. school. I was really good at maths, and my dad wanted me to go and get a job in um you know the, a bank or something, or be a lawyer or an accountant or something. Because my dad had come from a really tough background, so I think he me doing well at school he was like you can be the first in our family to go and do this yeah. and I was like no I want to make films and rap <laughs> you imagine saying that in like it's any father's, 19- dream, any father's dream to hear that. But imagine <laughs> saying that in like 1998 yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it's almost 20 years ago and it's uh, it's crazy how much it's changed now oh man hip hop gripes is there anything about hip hop you don't like just misogyny really yeah. just never really got it yeah yeah, you know, I still don't really get it. I suppose, you know, I just have so, so much respect, you know, for my mum growing up and my sister and obviously my wife. And then, even as a kid, when you're hearing these lyrics, you don't you don't really feel confident and comfortable repeating some of the lyrics back. Well, it's a weird one. I think particularly like, like where is that hatred or not hatred, but like cheapening of the woman, like the female, yeah. come from? Out yeah. of, obviously, you know, a lot of hip hop it's come out of poverty, right, and oppression, and then. And then it always like boggled my mind, like why? That seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. And I never really got I could get my head around that. Like some of the other language they're using and the stuff they're talking about makes total sense. Yeah, because it's like you know stand up for your rights, but it's like that. But then also we're going to degrade yeah. females. Yeah, that that's the only thing that I never really got my head around. The weird thing I find is that I like because you, you, I grew up listening to it, and your filter. You listen to it and you're sort of more accepting as you're growing up listening to it. And then now I'll listen to something and I think, shit, I can't believe this didn't jar with me at yeah. the time. Some of the stuff you listen to, you think, I mean, that is harsh, man. Like, mm. And you can't, it's all, actually some of it's unlistenable. Do you know what I mean? Because of, because of that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's a weird one. It's something you just have to sort of accept as part of some of it. I mean, obviously there's loads of hip hop that's completely anti it, but there is a, there's a, especially for a certain time, I think there's a chunk of it, isn't there? Yeah, it's especially because like, of, you know, at the time, you know, I went to school with so many people who probably lived in maybe the equivalent of what yeah. some of the American rappers lived in. Um, and, you know, they had total respect for their, yeah. their mums or their girlfriends or their, well, know, the their sisters though, or whatever, you know, whatever, the, you know, I'm not saying that, but it's weird that you can see your mum in this way and sort of yeah. raise her and exactly hold her up it, on a pedestal. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. This other woman here, who is eventually going to be someone else's mum. You know what I mean? Well, that's. I always thought that was a weird thing with Tupac, because he did like Dear Mama and everything about his mum, and then the next thing he'd be like, "I slapped your bitch." <laughs> yeah, like gang banging and like, yeah. "Is your mum heard this, mate?" Yeah. When you play the album, do you skip these tracks? <laughs> yeah, listen. Yeah, to don't worry about this one, man. Don't worry about this one. <laughs> yeah, it's an album. It's, it's twelve tracks called Dear Mama. Uh, ignore the other bits. Oh no, there are demos. Hugging on my mama from a jail cell. Are you listening to any hip hop at the moment? Uh, I, may, I mainly listen to grime at the moment. Yeah, what are you what are you into at the moment? Um, Skepta's new album's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So it's just so British, so yeah. funny, mm. um, so insightful, um, and it's just like so testing as well that's the thing about British the humour is wicked isn't it it's so good it's amazing yeah but some of the stuff he's talking about um, hasn't been spoken about especially in that scene since probably Dizzy's first album yeah Um, Kano's album's amazing as well yeah it's great yeah and I was I wasn't sure whether to expect a grime album or a hip hop album it seems mostly hip hop to me yeah like the the, you know the BPM and the production it's it's absolutely banging and he's I'm glad because I've always thought Kano's one of the best rappers yeah ever in this this country I think he's probably he is but I don't think he always had the beats 
I always felt like a lot of his beats weren't as good as his vocals yeah. and lyrics yeah. and I've told him that myself so <laughs> yeah. I'm not um, but this new album every track on it is unbelievable yeah. every track there's not, like, not a week there's nothing you want to skip the other thing is it's, quite, it's really varied as well because like, you listen to the because obviously there's a new banger and then like Garage Skank and you think those are two quite well they came out before the rest of the album exactly, so everyone yeah. kind of maybe thought the album was going to be gonna like be that it was going to be all like that yeah, and yeah. it wasn't no. and it just goes to show he's comfortable on any tempo yeah exactly yeah. and talking about anything yeah yeah no it's great plug one plug two guest plugs for you is there anything you want to plug mate wow um, I mean, to be honest with you, you're not going to notice a, a, a spike yeah, off the back of plugging it here, but the, the opportunity uh, is there for you, mate. Big chance. Just, you know, if you don't know I am, go and Google me and yeah. uh, look at some pictures of my missus. Some people look quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> How did you two meet? She interviewed me on a radio show in Oz. And did you... Okay, this is good. Well, she has got a brain as well, by the way. Yeah. Well, that's good. We didn't say she didn't. What? Oh, because she's so good looking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Shallow how? Did you try and uh, were you thinking? Were you sort of trying to mac during the interview? Like, did you? No, I was kind of. I just. She walked in the room. She was so stunning. I thought I had no chance with her. Right. Because that's what happens. Is like when you're when you're famous or successful, you meet other famous successful people, and it's almost just like being like normal again. Because yeah. you know, if you're like a celeb or whatever you, whatever you look like, the opposite sex, you think they were in my grasp. Yeah until you meet someone who's equally as famous or successful yeah. and you're like yeah. oh god this is like real life again now <laughs> I've actually like I'm going to be judged on everything yeah? yeah rather than having that sort of halo around you yeah. you know what I mean which I've I never, never thought I had that but um, I've never had the experience of a woman being within my grasp <laughs> so it's, it's very difficult to connect just married the first one you met yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah just she had to settle you know no it was a, it was a really exciting chase actually for, yeah. for my missus and uh I think it was pretty much just instant. It was like, yeah, best friend for life. Yeah. Done. Yeah. No and more you... misogynistic lyrics. <laughs> no. <laughs> Got yeah, don't worry about that track. Don't worry about that track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Elliot, listen, it's been an absolute honour having you on, man. Thanks, Thank bro. you so much. Uh, you've it. been ill. Didn't seem like as ill, did it? I'm That's sweating good, a bit. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, there you go. But thanks very much, man, for coming on. Cheers. Cheers man. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. <laughs> Give me some water. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.